This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Joseph Osu, and today I have another illustrious guest on the show for you. His name is Adeo Masanya, and he's the founder of Ingenious App Studios. But before we get to any of that, you guys, you know what I'm about to say, and for the new listeners, now it's time for you to show up and show out. We are on a mission to reach 100 million people around the world with life-changing financial information. You can be part of that. The way to start is just by subscribing. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, press subscribe. If you're on Apple, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just hit follow. And then after you've done all of that, Join our Patreon. The link is in the description. You know what to do. Support the platform. It helps us continue to do this incredible work that we love to do to bring you illustrious guests and share information of how you can make, keep, invest, and spend your money. Now, Dilemmas on a Sunday is every single Sunday. We go live at 11.30 answering your questions. So if you have any questions, first, join the Patreon because you get answers faster. But if you want to ask some questions, you're not part of the Patreon, head over to blackmillennialmoney.com send us a message through the website and tune in live on YouTube and Facebook at 11.30 on Sunday where we go through your questions, answering your dilemmas and helping you overcome your financial challenges. Now, we have an illustrious guest on the show and I know I say that often, but it's because the filter to get onto the show is high. So if you get through the door, you've done something special. So our guest today, he is He's a borderline genius. So let, I'll just give you some of the background. He has a first class honors degree in artificial intelligence and computer science. I'm going to leave that to brief. He's got a master's and all sorts of other things going on, but artificial intelligence and computer science. He's been, he's been in software development for nine years and he's only 25. He's been getting paid to create software for nine years. His products serve tens of thousands of people in the UK, and they all use his apps every single day. Adeyama Sanyar, it's a pleasure to have you in the house. How's it feel to be on Black Millennial Money today? Thank you, Tadjo. Thank you for having me. It feels amazing to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan, so yeah, I look forward to it. It's, it's exciting because I saw the title of this when, when you, we, me and you had messaged beforehand, and, but when you reached out to me about this, it was like, I I did six figures in my agency business. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to catch up. We need to get you on the show. We need to share some gems of the people. But, but before we get into all of the details of that, we need to know the three things we should know about you. Because obviously, we know that you, when it comes to building technology and artificial intelligence and all of that great stuff, running a six-figure business, you got that. But what's regular about Ade? Tell us a little something about yourself. Yeah. Sure, regular Ade is definitely a Nigerian man. <laughs> so my favorite food is of course pan and egusi soup. Don't mind a bit of chicken or a bit of beef on the side, but it's it's definitely got to be like pan <laughs> uh, I'm a huge gym freak. I work out pretty much five days a week. So if I'm not at home writing cold, I'm likely in, in the gym. And lastly, my favorite holiday destination is Santorini in Greece. I went there back in 2017, and yeah, that still remains my number one holiday destination. Okay, so I'm packing that a little bit. So you said pounded jam and a goosey, which means me and you, basically, we share DNA because I'm 98% pounded jam. <laughs> like, I'm what, not what's the 2%? <laughs> the 2% is soup. It's a goosey. Like, the 2% okay, is a goosey. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> but to be. you said with chicken or beef, if you're serious about a goosey, you can have it with no meat, no nothing. Is that true? I would say it's true, but you know, I would prefer to have that kind of, you know, 
after you get through the pound of yam, it's nice to have that little meat there that you can, you know, finish it off with. However, you know, you know, I can eat pound of yam and you can see any kind of way. All right, you saved that at the end because if if not, I was about to say you're still you're still in the little leagues of this pounded jam and a goosey game. Like you, if you can't eat it straight, you don't mean it. You don't mean it. Oh, like you don't. Like you don't mean it. And you're a fitness addict because obviously eating that much carbs, like a pounded jam, is an is an entire carb on its own. A complex carb. You you're yeah. basically in the gym five days a week because of pounded jam or for other reasons. Well. I'll say most of the pounded yam is because I'm in the gym five days a week. You know, after you get back and, you know, you're physically exhausted, you just need, you know, a good solid meal to kind of hold you down for three hours. So for me, that's, that's pounded yam. <laughs> you need to put you to sleep after gym. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> all right, all right. So we know a little bit about you and now it's time to really get stuck in because listening to this and hearing your story, I want people to take away a bunch of things. But in fact, Let's not get too carried away. Let's not get too carried away. Tell us how you got to started in tech. What was, what was your first experience getting into the tech world? Yeah, sure. So um, from a pretty young age, from around um, 16, 17, um, you know, I was always interested in kind of, you know, uh, tech, but more so I'd say, I would say the engineering side of, side of things. So I was always into like maths and science. Um, and then I kind of just stumbled across programming and um, honestly just sat late nights watching YouTube videos learning various languages and stuff like that and then you know i enjoyed it so much i kept talking about it to everyone i was really excited you know i'll never stop talking about it so you know friends and family kind of picked that up and um one day luckily enough um, a friend of mine mentioned that his dad um who ran his own business um in the aviation space he was looking for someone very junior almost someone who you know didn't know how to code to basically come in and um, learn learn on the job so, um, you know, he was paying me peanuts, um, but of course I was very eager at that young age. So yeah, I jumped at that chance. And um, so I was making apps mainly for the iPad um, during that time. And um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty honestly pretty boring. Um, friends or friends that would, see what, that would see what I'm doing were like, you know, what the hell are you doing? And why the hell are you doing that? Um, but, you know, I, I, I luckily enough recognized the kind of wider skill and uh, how useful that would be um, in the future. So yeah, I, I kept going at it and you know picked up more and more over time. So let me get this straight. Randomly, your friend's dad owns an aviation company, which I guess is just luck, right? But an opportunity presents itself. You've never coded anything before. And he was kind of looking for someone who kind of had never coded anything because he didn't want to pay them. He was paying peanuts, right? So Everything sort of aligned, but you took the opportunity, essentially. Is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much. So luckily enough, I was already, you know, self-learning how to program at the time. And it was because of that that my friends that my friend knew that and that he recommended me to his dad. Um, apart from that, it was honestly just luck. Okay. But even in that luck, there's opportunity there. And... I know we're talking. This uh, this is at the very beginning. This is this is nine plus years ago now. But ultimately, I think the seeds of every sort of successful story is seeing an opportunity and going for it. And everyone that we've had on our podcast has made a ton of money. There was a point where they got asked, "Can they do something?" Either literally like you were, or where an opportunity presented itself, and it was like yes or no for them to go and chase after it. And every time they said yeah, so a way to reiterate that because I think that's going to be a common theme as as we discuss your story so that was how you got into tech how did you, your business start and I'm, i feel like 
was it always official? Was it unofficial? Talk, talk to us about the transition from one app to now six-figure business. Yeah, sure. So it was. It definitely started out very unofficial. So you know, it was literally you know for that you know first kind of client. Um, you know, luckily enough, he kind of opened my eyes to the aspect of freelancing. So you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a you know nine-to-five job. It was more I was hired um, as a freelancer. Um, so I would say that's pretty much how I started out. You know, just doing freelancing. Um, you know, luckily enough, you know, I could really rely on like word of mouth um, very early on. And um, also LinkedIn um, proved, proved to be surprisingly useful at that time. So people reaching out to me on LinkedIn because I put down that I was freelancing, um, you know, um, building apps. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it started on, uh, how it started off. I, I did that for a number of years, you know, um, kind of working my way up. And actually, it wasn't until after after bachelor's that I officially um, registered with the company. So that was back in 2018. And um, yeah, ever since then, I would say it's been, you know, what it is now, pretty much um, a larger agency. Um, that, of course, you know, is no longer just me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how things worked out. Okay, so you skimmed over that really quickly because that was kind of like a, a, basically a nine-year jump. But so... So when, after that first client, they sort of opened your eyes to the possibility of here. So you were what, 16, 17 with a LinkedIn page? Yeah. Yes, yes, I was. I was. Um, <laughs> so um, again, quite fortunately, um, at that age, I always had friends that were, that were pretty much older than me. Um, so, you know, um, I recognized very early on the need to kind of, um, you know, choose your kind of career path and, you know, follow that path. So I was always, you know, going to like networking events, I was part of various, you know, um, you know, I went to various open days, like, you know, Google, Facebook, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, I was very active on LinkedIn, even even at that age. So active on LinkedIn, networking, letting people know that you were available. And again, we're just getting started, but this is, I feel like this is another gem. Because ultimately, if nobody knows you're doing anything, the opportunity never presents itself. So your friend knew that you were coding and then an opportunity presented itself. After that, you're like, okay, let me talk on my socials, let people know that I code. And that's precisely what happened. And people started offering you business. And I, presumably, what, nine years ago, that would have been, what, uh, 2012? The coding was still kind of new, especially in the app space. There wasn't a lot of people doing it when we consider that the first iPhone came out, what, was it 2006? So it had been six years into that, and then the Apple App Store launched around about 2008. So really, there weren't a ton of people doing it. Like Angry Birds was still crushing it on the App Store back then. So you got your first client through LinkedIn. But talk to me about that first client. What did they do, and what did you do for them in the end? Because you mentioned iPad apps. Was it just iPad apps still? Um, so the very first client was was pretty much only iPad apps. Um, I believe for their business, phones were a bit too small for the kind of features that you know they wanted to implement. Uh, iPad was a good size for you know what they were looking to do. The next client after that was um, was was an, an iOS app. Um, that client um, is an app called Bet Squad, and they are basically a social betting app. So of course, I'm sure um, we, we are both fans of football. If I want to bet you that Arsenal are going to beat Man U, for example, you know we could go on the app and put on that bet. And the app will kind of notify you as the game goes on, who's winning. And then at the end, of course, the winner, the winner gets paid. Okay, so it's a peer-to-peer betting platform that you built when you were 18. Um, I started it around the time I've been 18, yes. Um, that project um, 
has been ongoing. So the client is, um, you know, always iterating and you know improving with the product. So you know, thankfully, I can say that you know we still do service them today. But yes, it started back when I was eighteen. So seven years later, and presumably you're charging more now. <laughs> Definitely charging more than back then. Yes. <laughs> so, is it true that you got paid five pound fifty for the first row, right? Yeah. When did you figure out your pricing? Um, so that's that's a good a good question and one that was very important to do. So it wasn't again until after I finished my bachelor's that you know I really sat down and looked at how I kind of transitioned this you know freelance kind of career I've had into a viable business. And it was at that point where you know I've I've hired a um, a commercial director who's come on board and he's you know um, laid out a pricing structure, a pricing model, and so forth. Okay, so that's when. That's when the business got legitimized, essentially. Um, okay, so talking about when the official start of the business was, this was after you finished your first degree and you were doing your master's? Yes, I was out in Germany doing my master's in, in machine learning techniques. And um, doing the master's, machine learning techniques, which is... A, a whole next level some or the other that I can't fully get my head around, which is fine. And you're formalizing this business. What was the plan? And then what does the business do today? Yeah, so, um, you know, I really enjoy, I'll, I'll say, listening to books. I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not keen on, you know, um, physical books. I, I, I'm a big fan of Audible. So um, I listen to a ton of books um, about, you know, growing businesses and startups and such. So I would say I got a lot of my ideas and kind of inspiration from there, um, you know, which basically laid out laid out the plan for me. So I recognized that to be a top to be a top agency, you have to you know obviously compete with the current top agencies in terms of your branding, your marketing, um, and also and also build up a client list where you know the kind of clients you want to attract will feel will feel at home. So that was. You know, roughly speaking, the kind of um, the, the kind of roadmap that I laid out. Let me first, um, you know, you know, first let me design a brand, because until then it was just like a website that I had, you know, um, put together, um, which was you know fairly good. But um, you know, um, at the time I personally wasn't a great UI UX designer, so um, you know, outsourcing that role um, was needed. And in the end, um, yeah, I, I found a, an amazing branding um, agency worked with them, you know, designed our brand um, and then implemented um, the kind of the designs, um, you know, proposed on this commercial director, as I say, and yet we really kind of kind of formalized our process of how we, you know, onboard clients, how we treat clients, the steps um, in our process, um, so on and so forth. And that pretty much brings us where we are um, at present. So, so we're currently a team of um, five, myself included, and we are actively um, hiring um, software engineers. So hopefully we'll be a team of six um, in the next couple of weeks. So lots to unpick there. That was just a high level overview of where the business is today. In the second half of this episode, we're going to break down what they did to get to six figures from growing a business that started with just him to now having the six person, well, almost six person team, six figures generated in 2020 and going on to do much, much more interesting things. So we'll see you after the break. If you have any questions or dilemmas that you'd like to have featured on our podcast or on our YouTube channel, go to blackmillennialmoney.com, click the contact page and send it to us. Names will be changed or kept anonymous unless you say otherwise.
So we are back in the second half of this Black Millennium Money episode where we are talking about how Ade scaled his business from near enough zero to six figures in a single calendar year. So we had Ade Omasanya here who is the founder of Ingenious App Studios and we have spoken, we've caught up a little bit on the backstory. So he's kind of a, he's a self-taught tech sort of prodigy 16 years old making his first 16 17 years old making his first bit of money in the tech space grossly underpaid but that slowly evolved into becoming a more informal business that got more established and in the second half we're really going to be talking about okay what did you do to go from okay this is a good side income to no this is a meaningful business that employs almost five people at the moment and going on to employ many more so Ade, when the pandemic hit last year, what was your first thought? Because in our in our prep for this, you mentioned that that was one of the catalysts to leading you to where you are today. Yes, uh, for sure. So um, when the pandemic hit, I was actually out in Germany, um, and you know I was completely shocked um, to you know of course hear you know that you know, Corona had kind of broken out, and um, it was kind of that like initial panic which you know kind of hit me. I was like, okay, I'm currently in Germany, you know, pretty much alone. Um, you know, no friends or family pretty much in the site. Um, if I'm going to be quarantined, you know, I'd much rather be quarantined in London with the family, um, you know, than be, you know, pretty much completely alone um, out in Germany. So back in March of last year, I, you know, um, booked a flight back back to London. And, um, you know, um, it was pretty crazy because, um, you know, I was, I was always eager to kind of get back to London. Um, I had a ton of things, you know, I wanted to do networking events, you know, meetups, there were all kinds of, you know, um, networking events um, in, a, in a tech space. Um, I wanted to get more involved in them, you know, meet more people, you know, um, and, you know, that was definitely going to be an avenue that I would try to pursue to grow the business. Um, so, of course, I couldn't do any of that when I did come back, um, given that, you know, we were in lockdown, but I kind of reverted to other means of still achieving um, that aim. And again, um, going back to LinkedIn, LinkedIn proved to be to be extremely powerful for that as well. So whereas you know I would have met a lot of people um, at these networking events, I instead met them on LinkedIn. And actually, there are tons of people that you know I've worked with over the past year, um, you know, both both business and non-business related, that I've never met um, even still. So yeah, that definitely proved um, to to be quite a powerful avenue. Okay, so. You're in Germany, things are crazy, a crazy pandemic, essentially. Things aren't going to plan, but you have to rush back here. But all the things you wanted to do, all the things you thought you were going to do when you got here, everything's locked down, everything's shut. So rather than, I guess, sit on your hands, you're like, fine, how can I do this online? You go back to your old faithful LinkedIn. And what were you actually doing on LinkedIn? Were you just connecting with people, like sending random messages? Were you doing live videos? What were you doing at that had you connect with people because i think linkedin is an underrated underrated social media tool for the everyday person for a way to also generate money because everyone's thinking yeah instagram generate money youtube generate money but linkedin basically everyone on there is employed or aspires to be employed which means they're earning some money so they could be great customers so what what were the what were the specific tactics that you did yeah, so um, it was a combination of things, actually. So um, the first one, and probably the most important, was um, becoming active and actually making posts on LinkedIn. 
Um, LinkedIn has has an amazing reach. Um, so you know, pretty much every time someone likes or comments um, or reacts on your post, um, their network that it's shared with their network as well as yours. So I found that that had that had great reach. So you know, starting to post, and of course, you know, at first, you know, you barely get any likes, any comments, um, any feedback. But you know, doing it um, over and over again um, over a long period of time, your audience does 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 start to you know um, react to you essentially. And um, you know, more importantly, even than you know likes and comments, you start to get people um, sending you sending you what I guess what are called DMs. Um, so people reaching out to you, asking questions about you know your service, your product, um, you know based on the post that, that that they've seen and read. And um, e even aside from people reaching out to me, I would also you know search for my kind of target demographic and reach out to, to them as well. So you know send them a, um, a first message, you know. Um, I'm asking to connect and why, and then following following off with you know who I am, what I'm doing, asking about what who they are and what they're doing, and seeing if there are if there are any sort of areas that that we that we can work together. See, that's interesting because unlike any other social platform, LinkedIn is where you're supposed to talk about work. People expect you to be talking about what you're doing at work, and if you're talking about building stuff, if you're talking about the service that you provide. It's actually very, very normal. Whereas if I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and you're like, wait, 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 listen to my business stuff. I'm not here for your business pitch. Whereas on LinkedIn, you tell me about your job all day, every day, and it's perfectly ac acceptable. And that could be a strong lead generator. So I think if, if you're listening to this and you offer some sort of professional service, which web development is, and app development or coaching training, LinkedIn is possibly the best social platform for you because you could just talk about your job and generate business and every new client you get becomes an opportunity to talk about the success and generate more business. So it becomes a virtuous cycle. That's that's really interesting. And, and something that I think I need to add to my strategy a bit more, actually, because we post this on LinkedIn and we do get very good traction from LinkedIn. But what other services do we have available? I know you've inspired me already. You've inspired me already. Um, but when we were prepping for this, you also mentioned that, and in fact, you've already you've already sort of, spoken about you found a branding agency that helped you upgrade your branding and presumably that was through linkedin and your commercial director how did that come about as well yeah so um yeah both of those were by linkedin people again i've, I've never met in person um so the branding agency i think that was uh, more of me searching um so you know just searching for kind of searching for branding and scrolling through the results and ultimately in the end i found um, one agency which which i really liked they were focused on on tech startups, so it seemed 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 quite a good fit. And so with the commercial director, that was more um, that that had a bit of luck involved. So I had been looking for someone to fill that role for quite a while, um, to no avail pretty much, until um, I saw through one of my connections, um, you know, someone kind of um, commented on a post that was a commercial director, kind of um, I think talking about how we had you know had had some had some success with another company and that how they basically offered commercial directors um you know um almost almost as a service which was exactly um what was needed and so you know i kind of you know um reached out to him right away we had a phone call and i think pretty much that same day you know we signed contracts and um, I went, went ahead oh wow so you were looking for a commercial director. What was what was leading you to look for a commercial director? What was the need that you had? Yeah, so um, of course, myself being largely technical, 
I've got a background in tech and I fully recognize that that, that, that is where my skills lie. Um, I, am, I am a strong believer, again, um, I, can, I, can, I can link this back to books that I've read. I am a strong believer in kind of honing in on your own skills and hiring for the skills that you lack or are weak in, or, or are weak in to kind of support you. So um yeah, not being you know a a you know a great sales guy myself, um you know I of course do talk to clients. Um, however, the sales process is not one that you know I can say I'm you know the best at doing. So um that was why I was looking for someone else to come in who was who was an expert in in that role. The same way I'm an expert um in tech. Um, so yeah, that was that was the reason I was looking, and thankfully, um, yeah, I found someone to to fill the role. So looking for someone to complement your skill set essentially and augment the things that you weren't good at, enhance those things. You did mention that someone was doing commercial directors as a service. And just to clarify, a commercial director is someone who leads up sales. They're trying to bring on new clients, right? So can you explain commercial directors as a service? Because that could be very interesting to a lot of people listening. Yeah, sure. So um, commercial director as a service is essentially, you know, rather than bringing someone on full-time, um, because of course, you know, when you're starting out uh, and uh, you're bootstrapped, you know, you can't, you know, always afford to bring someone on full time, especially in sales where you know salaries can can start from you know forty k, go up to seventy quite easily. Um, so what the service is is essentially you get a commercial director, um, part time. So it could be one day a week, it could be five days a week, um, you know, depending on basically your budget. And so you know that person comes in to to you know work in the company. But you know they um it is still technically a service because you know um they are kind of loaned out to you from their own company. Okay, that's actually very interesting. So if you're looking at scaling your business and you want to bring in salespeople on a more ad hoc basis, that could be a really really great strategy for you. Okay. Uh, do you remember the name of the company? I know they haven't sponsored us today, but yeah. it's probably worth adding value to the listeners. <laughs> Sure. The company is called Facets Commercial Consulting. That's okay. F-A-C-E-T-S. Facets Commercial Com- uh, Consulting, because I'm going to check them out because I've got a little project I'm working on that I will tell the listeners about soon. But for now, let's get back to you and your business. So you brought you you brought in a commercial director. You, you had the branding agency come in. When did you realize it was going to be a six-figure year? What was like the turning point? So it was ultimately, you know, when I kind of brought on this sales director and basically um, got, got completely out of his way and, you know, let him do what he does, what he does best. He is, he is the expert. So I definitely, you know, left, left that side of things down to him. And um, it wasn't very long. I think even in the first month, we closed two new, two new clients. So um, um, I you know, recognized very early on that, you know, he was amazing at his, um, at his job. And also that, you know, um, even though sales, does normally take time and you know since then you know it's not always been you know um two sales a month um so you know when you know things are a bit quiet you do just have to you know bear through it and uh, give it time but ultimately trust that you know the, the process does work so it, it was um you know fairly early on that i realized there was there was a real opportunity that that, that, that we would close a lot of clients and you know you know hit that six figures um but yeah it wasn't until i guess a couple months in that i really realized that okay now, now, now we are closing um, even larger clients than before, and yeah, then it, it really became clear that you know we're, we're going to hit that six-figure target. And was it at that time? So you had 
basically brought on a head of sales, a salesperson, and within four weeks of being there, they landed two clients. Was that at the point where it's like, I need to build out the team now? I need to start hiring more developers? Is that what happened? Uh, yes, pretty much. So um, before then, um, you know, while I was you know doing more freelancing uh, kind of kind of things, um, I did you know basically um, bring on some other freelancers to you know help me in areas where you know the workload was too much. But it was at that point of um, you know getting getting you know a lot more clients on board that I realized I do need to hire um, um, in house. So that was when yeah that was that was definitely when I made it the first internal hire. That's interesting as well, because before, before having the commercial director, you were there trying to close clients and bring in new business as well as building the projects. And that must have been a lot to handle. And you've already said that you are more of the tech guy. You're not the client relationship, client management necessary type of person. But I see, I see this common thread where a lot of business owners that we've had on the show, so whether that was Emma with Planted, where she scaled to a million in, in, in 12 months, or uh, or Aisha with her property business, where she where she's got over ten million in property as it stands today. What those two keep what those two people have in common with you is that ultimately they placed people on key things that allowed them to focus on what the big business driver was. So for you, your you knew your skill set was development. So that meant you had to bring in a salesperson who, once someone was 100% focused all of the time on bringing in new business, new business comes in, revenue goes up, while you are focused on client delivery and making sure the work gets done. And in, all, in those other examples with Amo, she, she outsourced her, her shipping and fulfillment because she sells a physical product. And it made it so much easier for her to focus on developing new products because she wasn't having to run to the post office. She could focus on marketing and not and not have to pack orders because someone else is doing that. And the same thing with Aisha, she leverages people who find properties for her. She established relationships with estate agents and other people in the space. So when there's a good deal available, she just gets a phone call, says yes, and the process begins. She doesn't have to spend her time searching. So once you start to optimize your process for where you're best set, I think that is a key thing to take away from this episode, that the insertion of that one key focus on sales and marketing meant that the business grew exponentially in a really short space of time. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ade, that is basically what you just said. For sure. For sure. Yes. Definitely. Okay, cool. So that was last year. That was 2020. We're now well into 2021. So can you talk about what the target is for the business this year and how you see it going? What what the plan for the rest of 2021 is in the, the longer term future? Yes, sure. So we we, we certainly have uh, you know you know new targets um, for this year, um, ones that that are quite ambitious. Um, but actually, a personal target of mine is is to become less involved in in the business. So um, after, you know, growing the business up and being very involved in, you know, day-to-day work, it's now at a point where I want to be able to, you know, step back and, you know, have the business still run smoothly and operate without me being there, um, you know, day in, day out. So I would say that that's actually the main target for this year. However, we do still have, you know, a, a target in revenue, um, which, which does improve on, um, which does improve on our, our target for last year. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, you've built a business that is essentially functioning as a machine almost, and you want to get it to the point where it doesn't even need your input mostly day to day, right? Pretty much, yes, yes. 
So what are you gonna be doing with your time? You retiring (laughs) at (laughs) twenty-five? Yeah, so I'm not quite going to be retiring. Um, However, I have always had a very big interest, um, not only in tech but also in startups. And you know, um, running running an agency, there is that limit to you know how invested you are in a startup, unless you you know um, know, go the kind of full full equity route, um, which we we have done to some degree, but but not fully. So it's not quite that same thrill as being you know fully invested in one startup and you know joining them at a point where you're in a very early stage um and you know seeing that process through from you know um creating a product from scratch reaching product market fits raising investment so um so on and so forth so that is where i'm, I'm basically turning turning my focus to at the minute and you know what this is what's so powerful about having your own business and entrepreneurship in general where essentially at a you've built something that that is a lot of people's dream the six-figure business is what people are really chasing right and having a six-figure business doesn't necessarily mean you yourself has six figures in your pocket but it's a mark of success so what you've done now is actually i've built this thing it's making some money it's paying me some money and that means that i can go and do what i enjoy or or live out one of my passions which is to work for a high growth startup so you're not necessarily doing it for the money, although I'm sure they're paying you much better now that you have your own business. Because again, you can negotiate from the standpoint of I don't need your money, and you've got a proven skill set, right? But now you can just go and do what you want, and I think that's amazing. Because a lot of time, when people say, "Oh, so what are you doing next with your business?" a lot of people just say more business. But you're like, you know what? I fancy going to work for someone, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, so um, I definitely would say that, you know, I did enjoy um, building the company to where it is. So it, it definitely isn't now, you know, I'm breaking into what I truly enjoy. Um, for me, you know, you started the company was that step of doing what I truly enjoy rather than joining, you know, um, a large a large corporate company. I do often get asked, you know, why don't you go work at Amazon, Facebook, um, you know, or those type companies. And it's because um, I do enjoy the kind of independence of, you know, doing doing what I love. Um, and, and nothing else but um, definitely working joining one particular startup is also um, you know something I've always wanted to do so yeah being able to kind of you know um, take that option now is of course um, you know very is, is quite amazing and, and you know I, I am very grateful to have to have raised the business to where I am that you know it now it now allows me to to pursue the other interest of mine okay so just to wrap up this half of the episode Firstly, Ade, you're like a rock star because the, the ability to start a business and then go get a, what I assume is a well-paying job elsewhere and not need the money is amazing. And that's the level of self-awareness that there's so much more for me to do than just chase money in my own business is powerful. So that that is amazing. But just to summarize what we talked about today, I really want to call out a few things from the very beginning where opportunity let people know what you're doing. We've spoken about this before. If people don't know that you're into something or that you're that you're trying to do something opportunities won't come your way because ultimately opportunities come from other people you're not going to find them in your bedroom right so letting the world know what you want to do is key and then connecting with people being actively involved because all the resource that he that Ade's managed to bring together came from connecting with people in the space being active being visible posting things that were relevant on a platform where people are receptive to it right because had he been posting about his business on tiktok chances are 
he wouldn't have been where he is today but on linkedin it makes all the sense in the world and then once your business starts to grow you need to find where your highest points of leverage are for you as a person and also the highest points of leverage for you, for the business so the highest point of, of most businesses is always going to be sales and marketing the highest point of leverage for you may not be sales and marketing. So you need to find someone who fits that mold and can focus on that while you focus on the part of the business that suits you. And then ultimately, once the business is moving, you have options. You have opportunity to grow and do what it is that you think is important. So as we wrap up this episode and the final part of this episode, we're going to leave you with a quick tip and the next steps. But I hope you've taken some gems from this already. Go back and re-listen if you missed it. And I'll see you after the break. You may not know this, but we have a Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators. Here at Black Millennial Money, our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Black Millennial Money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. And we are back on this episode of Black Millennial Money, where we are talking about how you can build a six-figure agency from home. We have Adeo Mosanyo on the show today. He's the founder of Ingenious App Studios, and he's given us so much already, but he's got a quick tip for us. So Ade, what is the quick tip for this week? Sure. So my quick tip, and one that was definitely, um, you know, that was quite pivotal in my journey, was identifying your, your key strength hiring for your weaknesses and getting out of their way okay and that getting out of the way piece is essential right because when you start something it's your baby it feels like ah i'm the only person that knows how to do it and you're right you're the only person that knows how to do it the exact way that you do it but that doesn't mean that's the right way or the only way to do it right so if i if i turn the soup clockwise and you turn it counterclockwise did the soup get turned yes or no and i i know that's a silly example but a lot of you are in the wrong part of your business because you can't let go. You're micromanaging people. If someone comes in, they got the talent, let them go. Let them go. So Ade, thank you for that quick tip because honestly, there is so much I need to outsource with Black Millennial Money. I need to get the, edit- the editing off my plate and I need to take my own advice. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for pulling it in my face. Um, so that's the quick tip for this week. So we're on to the next steps for this episode. So these are the three things everyone listening right now should do to scale their their business to six figures. So Ade, what are those three things? Yeah, sure. So um, the first step is definitely to identify, you know, what product or service um, you will sell. In my case, is of course, a service. So, um, you know, really identify a skill that you have that would be sellable to someone else. That could be marketing, management, tech, or something else. Um, but, you know, it should really be, you, you know, you, um, your zone of excellence in the business. So what you do best and then you can, you know, figure out how to how to hire or or how to fill in you know, everything else. So that was step number one, Ade. What was step number two? Yeah. So um, for me, it was definitely hiring someone, someone to fill that sales role and or sales and marketing role and, um, you know, focusing on what, on what I do best. Um, so, you know, I feel like you really have to identify the roles in your business. Even if you are a solo founder and, and, you know, at the start, you're doing everything. It's good to at least identify the roles you're doing and, you know, be able to kind of, you know, pull yourself out or into any one of those roles. And so lastly, um, step number three is to hire for those roles. So, you know, you've now identified your, um, your best skill 
you've um, you know identified all the other roles that need to be fulfilled in the business you now need to hire um, for those roles and then you focus on kind of managing and growing the business rather than in doing all of those roles which normally keep you keep you, keep you quite busy and um, typically make you lose focus on the kind of oversight of the business okay so just to wrap that up a little bit so step number one is develop a saleable skill something you can bring to the market and will be your zone of excellence in your business right the thing that you can do so as a solo founder you can start doing stuff and servicing clients immediately the second thing is to have someone dedicated or you could be dedicated on sales and marketing because that is the most important thing you can you can figure out everything else in your business once you have sales. If you've got revenue coming in, money will solve all other business problems, whether it's HR, whether it's accounting, whether it's paying your your corporation tax because it's late. Money will solve that. If you don't have sales and marketing sorted out, you will struggle. And then the final step is once you've found where your zone of excellence is in the business and what the other roles that you need to be filled are, you hire someone, you hire people in to replace you to step so you can step back and focus on managing and growing the business rather than running it. You're building a business, you're not building yourself a job. You should not be going to the post office unless you're going for a leisurely walk. You should not be looking into all of the analytics on Facebook ads. You should not be speaking to every single client it, at the beginning of that conversation, maybe towards the latter stages, absolutely, you can come in and lend a hand. But you need to find where your time is best spent, best spent in your business and make sure you're spending it there. And that's always on managing and growing. Everyone else can deal with operations. So thank you so much, Ade, for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to learn from you, to hear about your journey, and ultimately for me to take some notes because I hope everyone else has been taking notes and I know there's going to be some people who even want to talk to you about how you grew to the stage or talk to you about your business so how can the people reach out to you awesome thank you for having me Joseph um I am definitely available on LinkedIn <laughs> if you haven't picked it up already so um you know definitely send me a message or you know um, a request on there and also um our website which is ingenious-app-studios.co.uk Okay, and all those links will be in the description as usual. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I need to like, share, and subscribe. I need to share it with your entire phone book. Head over to WhatsApp. Make sure everybody knows that you can grow a six-figure business from home by following these steps. If you want to continue your contribution to the platform, join our Patreon. The link is in the description. You can help us continue to reach people around the world with life-changing financial information. And if you have any dilemmas or questions you want to ask, feel free to send them over to us at blackmillennialmoney.com where we can read out your dilemmas live on a Sunday. And if you want to ask it privately, we make those anonymous too. So tune in on Sunday, live at 11.30 for another episode of Dilemmas on a Sunday. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money. 